All right, let's see if we can do it really good and loud this time. Merry Christmas, everyone. If you guys are new here to Transform, we really thank you for showing up. We're so glad you're here. Um, my name is Christian. Um, I am here on the worship team, and uh, it's just it's a real blessing to be here this evening, and it's good to see all you guys. Um, I am going to just read a passage real quick before Pastor Mike takes over. This passage is from the book of Isaiah. It's chapter 7, and it's verses 10 through 14. Verse 10 says, Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz. Ask for a sign from the Lord your God. It can be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz replied, I will not ask. I will not test the Lord. Isaiah said, Listen, house of David, is it not enough for you to try the patience of men? Will you also try the patience of my God? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. Thanks, Christian. Well, it's good to see you guys again. The view isn't much different from there to here, but it's still good to see you guys from this angle as well. So um, if this is your first time uh, gathering with us here at Transform, just want to say welcome to you. My name's Mike. I'm one of the staff pastors and uh, blessed just to be able to share with you guys this evening from the Lord's word. And um, it's interesting. Uh, I don't know how your week went. What was your week like this last week? I know what it was like getting here tonight. Um, that, that was dicey. Um, but what, what was your, this last week like for you guys? Was it like, I just can't believe it's not butter smooth. Like, was it really smooth for you guys? Cause I don't know about you guys, but Christmas week is oftentimes one of the most crazy and stressful weeks of the year. Uh, there's so many things going on and there's so many things that we feel the need to do. And, uh, it's interesting because, um, this, you know, we did an Advent series leading up to this Christmas Eve service. And so for four Sundays, we were talking about different aspects of the incarnation and, and looking at different passages of scripture. And something that I told our team when we got together, I was like, listen, when we started like looking at the Advent season before it even got here, I was like, I really, really want to celebrate joy this year. I just want to be like joyful. Let's look at the joy of Christmas and the excitement that, that surrounds it and, and get excited about it. And little did I know the enemy was waiting for me on the week before Christmas to make sure that my joy got tested. And I don't know about you guys, but it was a crazy week for me. Um, and and I, if there was some kind of a rule that wouldn't allow cranky pastors to get up and share messages because of the week they had, I would be down there and I wouldn't be speaking to you guys tonight. So I'm so thankful for God's grace. Don't leave yet. Okay? Don't leave yet because God's grace is, is sufficient. But it occurred to me this week as my truck was breaking down in traffic and blocking traffic and I had to wait two hours for a tow in zero degrees and people were honking at me and telling me I was number one. <laughs> I didn't tell them that they were number one. It occurred to me that oftentimes I like to blame my attitude on the situations I find myself in. Oftentimes, I, I blame the, the, the way that I feel on the circumstances or the situations, and um, the situations weren't the problem. I was the problem. It was my heart that was off. And all throughout this week, I felt like I was trying to row to till frozen ground. And the Lord really broke through to me and showed me my heart, and it was gross. 
And I found myself praying this week at different points, trying to convince God that I would have been far better prepared for this evening if he had given me an easier week leading up to it. A lot of phone calls, a lot of struggles, a lot of things going on, things not going the way that I wanted. And I tried to convince him that if he made it easier on me and if I was better prepared, that you guys would be better served. But who knows his people better than the Lord? And so every circumstance he allowed And it gave me another reminder that my humility was in really short supply. It really gave me an appreciation for the the privilege that it is that I get to stand up and share the word of God with you guys because I'm not worthy of it. And the power is in his words and not mine. I felt in my reactions, my frustration, my lack of patience. I found myself... Uh, late this week groaning and not like the groaning that paul talks about in romans chapter 8 where we groan within ourselves because we're eagerly waiting for adoption the redemption of our bodies no it wasn't anything that spiritual it was more on the thought and the process of i was groaning in a way that would be well kind of a hebrews chapter 13 type groaning where the, the the pastors groan because the people are so whiny and now it's like you know it's become a burden i became a burden to all the people around me because of my groaning i was the problem for them We've all had that thought before, haven't we? What else could go wrong? What else could possibly go wrong? Well, if you think about that question and you ask that question and we lack perspective, a lot of times we think that this is just as bad as it can get. But the reality is, and I hope this encourages you on Christmas Eve, that things could get much, much worse. Things can get a lot worse than they are, and that should give us hope and encouragement because we really haven't hit the bottom of the barrel yet. This is a great Christmas message. I can tell we're all in this together. (laughs) Someone's like, wow, he's getting risky this year. Wait till next year. I don't know what God has in store for me then. Maybe my car will blow up. Maybe my computer will stop working. I don't know. You guys, what's awesome about the scriptures when you look at the word of God is the Bible reveals humanity's ability to take bad situations and make them worse in many places through disobedience. Um, Through not obeying what God has called us to do. We can make things so much worse on ourselves. And in that passage that Christian read before we started our time here, he's reading from Isaiah chapter 7. And Ahaz refuses to ask God for a sign. Now, don't make a mistake. This refusal wasn't piety. This wasn't him being like, oh, no, you shall not test the Lord your God. No, 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 no. He was supposed to ask for a sign. The reason he didn't is because he'd already made up his mind to rely on Assyria and not to trust God. He'd already made up his mind that he wasn't going to put his hope and his trust in God. His refusal to ask for a sign was a lack of faith, and and it was a cop-out, essentially. And that lack of faith is identified by God in verse 9 of chapter 7 of Isaiah, just prior to the passage that I had Christian read, it says this, as God speaking, he says, if you do not stand firm in your faith, then you will not stand at all. If you don't stand firm in your faith in God and what he can do, then you're not going to stand at all. Edersheim comments that never had the house of David sunk morally lower than when in the words of Ahaz, who was a descendant of King David and was king at that time, seemed to renounce the very foundation of the house of David's claim to continuance. It was a very dark time for the morality of the house of David. It was here at this morally destitute place that God gives a sign anyway. Isn't it interesting because we talk about this verse so often during the Christmas season 
that the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they'll call his name Emmanuel, which we know means God with us. He gave that sign even in the face of disobedience because God is faithful even when we have failed. Because God is faithful no matter what kind of a week we've had or year we've had. And I realize that a lot of us are in that place right now looking back on 2022 and we're thinking through the decisions we've made. We're thinking through the situations we found ourselves in and maybe we're not too impressed. Maybe we're actually kind of depressed about what we've done and who we've been. And we need to remember that obedience is the answer because God remains faithful. And when he calls us to walk with him, he will keep his word. Because God, even in the face of disobedience, sent his son. Even in the face of someone who refused to put his trust in him and trusted in men, God still promised the Savior. Well, that verse... From Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, is quoted again in Matthew chapter 1. If you turn there with me, if you have your Bible, if you find Matthew chapter 1, we're going to read a section from this that may be familiar, but as I prayed before, I really want us to read this and, and desire and seek for the Lord to speak it right into our hearts in a fresh way. Beginning in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1. Matthew records this, and he says, the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David... Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what's been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. The ultimate fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7 happened over 700 years later. And it was during the time of Herod the Great and the Roman Empire, and if you know even a little bit about that time period, it wasn't better days than the days of Ahaz and Isaiah. In fact, you could probably make the argument that it was worse. Things were terrible in this time. In Isaiah 7, the nation at that time had hit a moral low through the words of King Ahaz. And make no mistake, the time period of the angel's appearance to Joseph was not a bright spot for the nation of Israel either. In fact, never had the fortunes of the house of David fallen lower than when Herod sat on its throne. And David's descendant was a humble village carpenter, struggling with doubts over how to address the reality of having a young fiancé who was pregnant and not because of him. Imagine wrestling with these issues in reality, in real space, real time. The situation wasn't optimal from a human perspective, but God's timing is, is perfect, isn't it? God's timing is perfect, and this is exactly the moment for the Messiah to enter the world as a human being. The difference between Ahaz and his descendant Joseph 
was how they received the promise of God. Ahaz, when he was given the promise, said, no thanks. Not interested. I'll trust in my own strength. I'll trust in the armies of the Assyrians. He dismisses the word of God and chooses to go with his own plans. But notice how Joseph handles it. I mean, that would be hard news to hear. He's already struggling with the reality of Mary's situation, their coming marriage, all the things that they're supposed to be doing. Probably has his world flipped upside down at this time. And the angel says, Joseph, it's okay. You can marry her. What's going on has been done by the Holy Spirit. And he even tells him, there's a lot more at play here than you realize. When Joseph woke up, it says in the text, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. Joseph believed the Lord. He trusted him. He went from planning a private divorce to marrying his wife, not based on the situation of the world around him nor the circumstances that he found himself in. He did it because he trusted the word of the Lord. He believed that God was indeed coming to be with them. He believed in Emmanuel. He believed that God was coming and that his place was going to be with human beings. And being committed to obey the word of the Lord, Joseph obeyed every word. Just as he'd been instructed when the Messiah was born, when Jesus was born, he named him Yahweh saves, Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. That would be, by the way, the Greek version of the name Joshua from the Old Testament. Yahweh saves, God with us, saving us. The nativity so clearly reminds us that it's not about us. It's about him, his faithfulness, his humility, his love, his mercy, his grace, all wrapped in cloth, lying in the feeding trough for animals. <coughs> Whoever ordered this frog, I don't want it. <clears throat> you guys, the question comes to us. How do we celebrate this rightly? How do we celebrate Christmas rightly? We've grown up a certain way. Family traditions, they're great. I love family traditions. Maybe it's Advent, maybe it's readings, maybe it's little doors on a calendar that you open together. But how do we rightly celebrate the Christmas season thinking of the nativity, thinking of Christ in the manger how do we hear a story that for many of us has been heard so many times before and hear it in the midst of our messy lives and allow it to change us? If the story of Christmas doesn't change us, then why do we celebrate it? If it doesn't call us back to a right way of living, then why do we pay attention to it? <coughs> I think I got it that time. You guys, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote this. I love this, this quote. He says, who among us will celebrate Christmas correctly? Whoever finally lays down all power, all honor, all reputation, all vanity, all arrogance, all individualism beside the manger. Whoever remains lowly and lets God alone be high. Whoever looks at the child in the manger and sees the glory of God precisely in his lowliness. That's the one who will celebrate Christmas rightly. That's the place that I want us to come to tonight. Before the craziness of tomorrow, the excitement, the fun. There's a beauty in celebrating Christmas by giving gifts, but if we've forgotten why we give them, why celebrate it at all? God became poor, lowly, and weak out of love for human beings. Because God became a human being like us, he did so that 
You did so so that we would become divine. He gave up his dignity so that we could be made righteous. He came to us so that we could come to him. You guys, God is the one who becomes low for our sake. Jesus, that's the secret hidden wisdom that no eye has seen nor ear heard, nor the human heart conceived. That's the depth of the deity and the incarnation that God came to this world and became low for our sake. We are so, so loved by him. That's what we need to remember. That's what we need to embrace and allow to give us refreshment. Through his coming, his life, his death and resurrection, we're now new creations in him for all those who place their faith in Jesus. We're new creations. The old has passed away, the new has come, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5. You guys, God not only came as a human being and was with us, God with us, Emmanuel, but God is with us right now. The Holy Spirit indwells all those who believe in him. And so God is with us at this moment right now. Do we walk in the reality of that? That Emmanuel applies to every single one of us in this very moment? God is with us here right now. We must never forget. Church, please let us never, ever forget his presence, his promised presence within our hearts. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21, Paul then urges, pay careful attention then to how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. The wisdom of God was promised to a disobedient king. And the wisdom of God was revealed to a Jewish carpenter who was obedient. The wisdom of God took on flesh and lay in a manger. How about you guys? But I wasn't laid in an animal feeding trough. But Jesus was. And not only that, he was destined for the cross and was victorious over the grave. And you guys, may we never forget that when we celebrate Advent, we celebrate that he is coming soon. Amen? Jesus not only came and fulfilled everything the Father sent him here to do and filled us with his spirit, he comes again. He's returning for us. Through all the Advents of our life that we celebrate runs the longing for the last Advent when the word will be this, see, I am making all things new. The Advent season is a season of waiting, but our whole life is an Advent season. It's a season of waiting for the last Advent, for the time when there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Have faith that what he has said he will do. Don't give up hope. Don't let the situations and the circumstances that you're going through, maybe even tonight, take that hope from you because our hope in Jesus Christ is higher than our circumstances. It's higher than our situations. And there is hope in him, church. Tonight we celebrate and remember his coming. Just a brief time. We're about to sing a song together that's entitled, At Last the King. And the chorus reads this way. In the dark, 
in the shadows, light has come. In the quiet, in the dead of night, glory, glory sang the angels in the highest. At last the king has arrived. I love that song, and we're going to sing it in just a moment, not only because of what Jesus did, but because of what he's going to do. Because I believe at the time where we feel our most destitute, he is not only present there with us, powerfully present, but at the time that's going to come, where it feels like all the hope's been drained out of the world, the king will return. And we need to remember that. We need to put our hope in that. Not our things, not our jobs, not the presence under the tree. Sorry, kids. We put it in Jesus. Because he is our Savior. He's our Messiah. Amen? Christian, would you come up and and close us in prayer? Um, They're going to hand out some candles because we're going to end our time with candles. They're going to come and do that. And um, we're going to sing this song as they do that. But um, just want to encourage you guys to enter into worship with us. Father God, we thank you for this reminder of of your love for us. Your word says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And Lord, you sent your son Jesus in one of the most humble ways, just a baby in a manger, very lowly. In a dark world, you sent a light. So Father, we remember this moment. Speak to us tonight, Lord. And we thank you for this time.